Hello, and welcome to Dice Try, the RPG and storytelling podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Schaub. So we were just talking about where Dan is in the game creating. Oh yeah, how's how's it all how's it all going, man? I I think I'm pretty much done, aside from uh, like finishing off the character creation stuff and figuring out what'll work, so that we can sit down and actually create the characters, and that'll fill in the last few gaps of what right. the story will be. Since we got to talk a lot last week about the story and stuff like that, uh, but Paul wasn't there. Paul, did you have any questions about this new story that we're going to tell? It's going to be set in 1908 Kentucky during the Black Patch Tobacco Wars, which is tobacco growers basically became a vigilante army. There's going to be like supernatural elements and stuff like that. I mean, I remember you talking about that two sections ago and it was really interesting but i don't have much more information beyond that yeah i know one of the things you were talking about is you possibly wanting to be like either a local lawman or a local hunter originally from that area um did you want me to send you some like wikipedia articles and stuff like that related to kentucky at that time period Please, every little bit helps. I would love to do some research on that. Yeah, let me pull up Wikipedia here. Wikipedia? I got all of my witchy books. Yeah. Did you? I started one of them, which is oh, more, yeah. it's more of a generic thing about how um, women have naturally been healers throughout, you know, history. throughout history, but then modern medicine has been taken over by men. Men. So it's less about the witchy stuff, but an interesting read, and it's tiny. And then I had no more time to read it because I started. Black Patch Tobacco Wars. Dubs. Black Patch BPT Dubs. BPT Dubs. You know it. You know it. What are we doing today? Well, we could either play the mouse game. I brought mentioned before, or we can just talk for an hour again. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm down for whatever. What is everyone? What is it? How's everyone feeling? I just got off an eight-hour shift at work, so I'm a little like. He's a little tired. Oh, Chris yeah. has had a similar situation, and Dan has a headache. Dan has a headache. Paul has dental problems, so it's like we're oh, all. What's wrong with your face? <laughs> we're all just black. we're all in this wait why is there why did you send a, a wikipedia article about devils <laughs> no what? not of not of the nazi party oh, oh william Goebel. Goebel. oh my god i thought i i just saw a little like it flash up and i thought it said joseph i thought it said gebbles and i was like now, uh, William Gebel was uh, the Kentucky uh, governor oh. who was assassinated in 1900 by oh. his political rivals. Wow, okay. I don't think that'll have much relevance in the story. But. Unless Paul's character is the brother of that governor. Or he is that governor. Wait, his middle name was Justice. 
or he's the one who assassinated the and William Justice. Pretending <laughs> We're creating your backstory, Paul. That's <laughs> but it was also spelled just us. So I'm not <laughs> sure if it was like meant to be like justice or like it was like just, just us. Just ice. Just us. Yeah, I don't know if that'll be like super important the murder of that governor, but I think it's good in setting the time and place. <laughs> but his name is literally spelled just us. Like J-U-S-T-U-S. Just, just us. Which is even more just us. Just us. Just us. So it's like just just us. Just it sounds like Gus Gus. Just us. Just us. Just us. Just us. Just us. Yeah, phonically, yeah. like like phonetically, it's it sounds it's justice, you know, justice. Yeah. Justice. yeah. Or maybe it's maybe it's Eustace. Maybe it's Eustace. Oh, it might be Eustace. 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 That's probably. Is yeah. there a pronunciation guide? I oh yeah, let me see if it's an IPA. I can read the international phonetic <laughs> alphabet. I went to grad school, but it does not have a pronunciation. It just says just us. Just it just says just us. Wait, but wait, it says relations, Justice Goble. So he has a brother who has his middle name. Oh, Justice Goble is Gable, Goble, Gable, 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 He named his son Justice Junior and then another William. So it's one of those white people. It's his brother. Typical rebirth of, of familial names. Yeah. His that dad was, so was named Wilhelm and his mom was Augusta. They are a family. Yeah, I didn't think about it. I need an old timey name. Old timey wishy name. Yep. Maybe I'll find one in those other books. Yeah. I mean, you could just do what I did and I had a podcast on in the background while I was writing and I started stealing names from that podcast <laughs> of like real people. Yeah. There's definitely a character named after The Undertaker. Yes. So it was a WWE podcast. Yes, it was. Professional wrestling podcast is what you're saying. Good to know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and if you happen to know The Undertaker's real name, good for you. I, feel, I think I, I mean, used to, but I don't anymore. I mean, you were a big Chris Jericho fan, right? You had a crush on him when you were a kid? No, my, my best friend did. She had oh. the biggest Oh, my, my favorite thing so far that I've seen, one of my favorite things I've seen on Twitch about Ghost is, so there's a move that Dice does, um, that, that Jin, Jin Sakai, the Ghost of Tsushima, does, that is... Uh, Basically, like a little hurricane kick, kind of. He does like a little swoopy throat kick that usually that launches uh, that launches a character, and uh, that I believe was a uh, Chris Jericho signature move uh, for a while. That's uh, Sean Michaels had the super kick it, for a really long time. Michaels, it probably maybe it was Sean Michaels. Maybe I'm mixing up my WWE. What is this? A, is it the double kick? I don't. I don't watch wrestling. I've only watched it once. And oh I yeah, that's true. It. I filmed it for everyone. <laughs> that's true. I forgot about that. Did you want to open this episode up? Oh yeah, it was Shawn Michaels. Um, okay. I'm, yeah. I'm getting confused because it is Hello and welcome to this episode of Dice Try. My name is Daniel Shab. I am your host and GM. I'm here with all my players: Crystal O'Allen, Earl Kim, 
Paul Dixon, and our audio engineer, GTM. G, thanks, Ma. <laughs> How many of these are related to mothers? I feel like there's a bunch. I don't write them down. What do you think <laughs> I am, a sociopath? I know. I, I would imagine that you sit in your apartment and you you just, for hours, think of different names. <laughs> there are 10,000 words you've been writing or all There's a notebook full of, of them. Legitimately, if I had been doing that, I think a lot of them would be funnier than they actually are. <laughs> you should just keep a little pocket notebook and anytime one pops into your head, you... Yeah. Yeah, I should. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Sleep paralysis would be terrifying. I've had it happen a couple times and I Oof. yeah, I hate it. Um and it's really weird cuz I haven't I haven't had it happen recently. But like I remember when I like it would happen when I was a kid and it would be that thing where I don't know if anyone else ever has done this but like you make like tiny bargains with God. Like it's like you're just in this like oh, oh I just oh, I need to breathe if 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 I just like like oh, oh, everything becomes so impossible to do so it's just like oh my god please just let me let me let me do something ah and and you just sit there for like a, what feels like an eternity like trying to like move and then I don't know whenever I get sleep paralysis there's also like this inevitable doom feeling of like something being in the same room like literally arms with adjacent that like is going to kill me yeah that's a demon in the corner of your room yes yes exactly like i for the longest time like when i was a kid like i didn't know it was a thing that happened to people yeah. also because like i would never talk about shit like that with my parents like you know yeah. like it would be like mm. you're cursed We're yeah gonna- we're gonna pray over you. We're gonna we're gonna take you. We're gonna we're go on a spiritual retreat and pray over you for hours and dunk you in water. And it, I was like, ah, uh, no, no thanks. So like, it was just that thing of like, huh? I guess it's just a weird thing that happens to me sometimes. But imagine like back in the day, like how many people actually went through something like that by their family, or even yeah. worse, being like, oh no, you are touched by Satan, and yeah, yeah. now we have to abandon you in the woods because yeah. you say you dreamt this thing, but no. Yeah. I mean, and, I think it's 100% actual <laughs> demons, but... But, like, I, it wasn't until, but it wasn't until, like, I was in college, and then it was like, it, I don't forget what class it came up in, like, just about, like, dreams and about, like, and then it was, and people were like, no, that's sleep paralysis. <laughs> like, like, like me being like, you guys, I've never told anyone about this before. But sometimes when I sleep, I feel like I'm awake, but my body is asleep, and I can't do anything about it. And then literally everyone is just like, uh, yeah, or all of them. It feels like there's something in the room that's going to kill you. And like, it's sleep paralysis, you don't. (laughs) (laughs) You mean I'm not the only one? (laughs) (laughs) Thank God. Oh, thank God. (laughs) Fucking sleep paralysis. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It hasn't happened in a while. Although now I feel like I'm jinxing myself and like, we're all going to have it. Oh, don't say that. Uh, all, all of us. I don't want that. I really don't. Have you ever uh, slept walk? I've slept yes. I have not. twice so, in my entire life. Really? Yeah. I uh, I was staying at a, it was like a slumber party. And it was the first time I was staying over there. And we made like a fort in her living room. And we're sleeping in the fort. 
And apparently I woke up the next morning in her bed in her room. Uh, and apparently I had just like in the middle of the night, like walked past her mom and her mom was like, oh, Krista, is everything okay? And I just like kept kept going and made my way to her room and walked into her bed and just fell asleep. <laughs> Which how I knew where her bed was, was okay. It was the first time at her house. <laughs> you know, you just had a feeling. You just knew. Yeah, the one that springs to mind is uh, when I was younger, went to visit family in upstate New York. And uh, we were staying at my uncle's house slept in one of the guest bedrooms and then woke up in the morning and I was in his bedroom, my uncle's bedroom on the floor in the doorway, like half my feet in the hallway and my head in his bedroom. And he was just like walking around, like he had walked over me and got, made his morning coffee and shit. Okay. He was like, like, he didn't want to disturb you. Yeah, and he was just like, oh, you opened my door, fell asleep, laid down on the floor and said, don't tell anyone. <laughs> I was like, wait, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> don't tell anyone. <laughs> I don't know what I did, but that's very weird, right? <laughs> that's really intense. Has anyone heard of the old hag? Maybe. Old. Yeah, so mm. there's this uh, thing called the old hag where in the middle of the night, it's like the sleep paralysis, and you hear an old lady in the room with you. Oh, like laughing. Yeah. I've had that happen. Laughing, yeah, laughing. Oh. I think that's the old hag story. Uh, but what happened to me was basically I, I was sleeping one night and I had a, a parking lot next to my window, and. I could kind of, you know, you know, in your dreams, you can kind of see things that are, if, if you, if you know where you are, you can see where you are. You think you're still awake, but you're not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Kind of. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That makes outside my window. And she was like outside there laughing in the street or in the parking lot. And uh, I suddenly heard like this screeching noise under my bed, like something was clawing from the bottom to the top of the bed underneath. And I could not move. <laughs> and I freaked out. I jumped out of bed, turned on all the lights. I thought my roommate's cat got in or something. Uh-huh. I looked under the bed and there was nothing there. Oh, wow. That's a ghost. Ah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, that's terrifying. That's really scary. That's I, scary would, I would move. move. <laughs> Do you still live there? No. Okay, good. <laughs> I would save the place, burn it down. Yeah, it's, it's just last week. Like, oh. no, it's not and then we just hear now. a screeching noise. Yeah. <laughs> and pops out from behind. Oh my God, no. I used to sleep talk a lot and sleepwalk. The one I remember because my parents always remind me is I was like mumbling my sleep. So my parents were still awake. So they heard me and I was like a little kid. And out of nowhere, I just sat up in my bed, eyes open, and was just like, I'm going to go kill the baby. And I <laughs> fell back to sleep. <laughs> Wait a minute. Aren't you an only child? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Have you always been an only child? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. That's terrifying. Kids, yeah. kids and sleep, or just like sleeping in general. 
My parents thought it was hilarious. They just laughed. Yeah, I, they were like, what? Okay. <laughs> they're there. Because they're, they're your there. parents. Yeah. Man, that is weird. episode of Dice Try. I'm, I'm so happy how this turned out. <laughs> <laughs> Do you guys believe in spirits, ghosts, demons, yeah. any of the above? Um, yes. Yeah, yes. I'm, I'm not superstitious, but I'm a little stitious. <laughs> if somebody came to me and said, hey, do you want to use this Ouija board? I would say no. Yeah. Because, not I, because I believe yes. it, but why take the risk? What, yeah. what is this? Why? Do, no, I'm good. Don't, don't invite it. Don't invite it in. Mm. Yeah. I think there, you know, I feel like I'm, I'm believing it to the point where like, there, I believe that there are malicious forces in this in this world that would do harm that are bigger than our perception. Yeah, that are bigger than my my control or power. Yeah, I think the 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 names itself are way of understanding things, and I, I with my belief system, it's yeah, I I believe in those things, but I also have like a healthy suspicion over everything and i'm like it could be not that and that's yeah. totally cool too and that would if there's another explanation for it that isn't ghosts or demons that's cool but for right now i think it's ghosts and demons and that's just me yeah <laughs> everyone like, else i don't really care <laughs> yeah, I, feel, I feel like for me it's it's more about like the you know it's not a specific named like yeah. you know like i don't attribute myself to any sort of pantheon or understanding of or, or like categorization of like this is how demons work like you know like I, I don't believe in the in that sort of criteria or analysis but i you know i've been in enough situations where been around evil and that sounds really, I don't know if that sounds like super dramatic, but like, I feel like I've, I've experienced it and, and enough to, to realize that it's more than just a person being angry or something going wrong, you know? Do you guys believe in like urban legend monsters, like the New Jersey devil, the Yeti, uh, any Lyodona? Yeah. Well, I think there are some that are, that are and, more rooted yeah, in credence than others i don't i don't think i believe in a jackalope but i think i believe in like you know a chupacabra i just listened to a podcast about chupacabra i didn't realize it started in puerto rico yeah yeah oh really uh -huh. That's interesting. Yeah. because i heard it growing up but i was always like it's a latin american thing which it is but it's it's i didn't realize specifically, it yeah. most specifically puerto rico yeah for the most part, I think that humans aren't as imaginative as we can be. I don't really think we're that imaginative, if that makes sense. I think we see things and then regurgitate them. I mean, like, that's why dragons know. exist. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Our understanding of dragons is someone fucking back in the day finding a dinosaur. Yeah. Going, Dragon, they must have been like this long and flew. And yeah. Which, again, perfect, like, you know, not not ragging on that guy too much because based off of the evidence that you have and the world around you and the things that you've observed, that is a clearly yeah. astute observation to make. Like, yeah. you know, but now we know, like for the most part, it's probably, it's probably dinosaurs. It's again, just people trying to 
make sense of things. And so they put their yeah. own understanding of things. Or what fascinates me is the thought of like legends that have been around for millennia that were based off actual prehistoric creatures that maybe was the last mm-hmm. last semblance of it, you know, like, a, like yeah. you know, like the Loch Ness Monster was probably yeah. some dinosaur, the last of its kind that was able to somehow survive mm-hmm. in these areas. And you will never see it again. That's why no one's really ever seen yeah. Monster again. But the, the to start of it, but yeah, it's almost like the descriptions of it were accurate for the time because it was something that no one would actually ever see again. Mm-hmm. Do you believe certain extinct species are still actually out there? Like every couple of years, somebody claims, oh, I saw a Tasmanian tiger or I saw... I mean, there is that video that came out recently of a Tasmanian tiger, I believe. That's just a 4K restoration of the original footage from oh, 1937 or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Because I, I remember seeing a Tasmanian tiger thing and I was like, oh my gosh, look at them. The big old mouth. But if it was like a Jurassic Park situation, I wouldn't be down with it because we all saw how that went. <laughs> <laughs> if they were at a Jurassic Park, uh, an extinct species, what would you want them to bring back? Kiwis. Oh. Or, wait, no, what's the one that's extinct? What's that Dodos. little Dodos. Dodos. Yeah. Ox. A W K. It's it's a type of bird. Rhinos. Fucking we don't have rhinos. They're gone now. The last white rhino was poached and then I think killed. Oh the last male one, yeah. Yeah, the last male one. So like there's no there's no possibility for more rhinos. I really hate humans. Yeah. Yeah. I mean other than the ones that are currently in captivity, there are no more there are no more wilds. Well it's like Rhinos, four different species of tiger, Tasmanian tigers have all gone extinct within the past century because of human influence. Are there any birds that have gone extinct? I mean, the dodos. um, dodos. Why why did the dodo go extinct? Was it just too weird of a bird? They were delicious. They're not not afraid of humans, so they don't fly away when people were catching them and killing them. Well, they can't fly, right? I thought they couldn't fly. Uh, I thought they just I have like. Their- I think they can flutter. Like they could probably, if they wanted to get like away, they probably would have. If they knew, if they knew it was good for them, they probably would have gotten away. But they just don't. They just don't. <laughs> they just don't. I don't know. I love it. But yeah, just within the past hundred years, there were tigers on Bali, Java, all these different places. Went extinct. There were tigers even in Europe. Have you guys heard of the beast of Jeduvan? Back during the 18th century, before the French Revolution, there was a creature that killed over 100 people in France. In specific the that people thought, maybe. Well, people, people thought it was a werewolf. Generally, there's three different theories on what it could have been, which was a lion from Africa, a large wolf, or a tiger, oh. a European tiger. Like, I can't uh, remember the exact species. Killer? A serial killer? Well, a hunter did kill a wolf, and when he opened it up and cleaned the carcass, he found human remains within and inside. Oh. So, and then the killing stopped after that. So, oh, ah, well, 
I mean, I'm sure that had to do with some of them. It couldn't have done all hundred of the people, you think? Maybe. Oh. I don't know. A tiger in uh, India killed 400 people, so. What? Oh, I heard about that tiger. The Champawa tiger is projected to have killed 431 people or something like that. Wow. Uh, between the years of 1899 to 1907. It actually started out in Nepal, and the army of Nepal actually chased it out of the, their country into India, where it then killed. Good job, Nepal. Take care of yourselves, Nepal. <laughs> Did you guys see that movie with Val Kilmer called Ghost in the Darkness? About Ghost in the Darkness. That's exactly what I was thinking about. Yeah, so the Savo lions or the Savo man-eaters are probably the more famous of that yeah. story. Two male lions who don't have manes, who are like a special mutation of African lion. I read a lot about that stuff because it interests me. I was going to say you should have a podcast that's just Dan has facts. Dan facts. Uh, facts. About man-eaters. Yeah. About oh, yeah. Watch out, yeah. boy. She'll chew you up. But if you guys are interested about that stuff, you could read about Jim Corbett, who was a British man born in India who uh, hunted tigers for the government, specifically man-eaters. And then uh, John Henry Patterson was the name of the Irish engineer who hunted down the Savile Lions. And he wrote a book about that. Although it's generally agreed that he... John Henry Patterson made up a lot of facts in his book. How many people the lions ate? Oh, exaggerations. Yeah. It was just like a leg. No, no, no one died. It was just he, the, the lions one ate 100 leg. legs. He said the Sawa lions killed like 150 people, but I think according to the research, it's more like 30 or 40, mm-hmm. which is still a lot. Large cats usually don't attack people unless. They either A, don't have food or injured in some way, so they can't hunt their normal prey. The Savo lions had a a specific mutation slash growth deficiency in which some of their teeth were impacted, Mm -hmm. so they can clamp their jaws down on gazelle and stuff like that, Mm. from what I remember. So they were, humans were easier. Yeah, humans are easier prey. But it's not the preferred, it's not the preferred meat. Uh, no, because like, human oh, meat, we have to. Ugh. Human meat doesn't actually have that much protein. Uh-huh. Tigers. And the uh, Champawa tiger had been hit in the jaw with a bullet that bounced off its jaw and it had a fractured jawline. Aww. So it had the same kind of problem. It couldn't jam down, chomp down on regular prey. <laughs> yeah, I like how people are like, oh yeah, we're at the top of the food chain and then... We're, we're just an easier snack for a tiger. Yeah. Well, have you guys heard uh, in India right now in a region called Sibaradon, there have been multiple tiger attacks because yeah. the Indian government is trying to protect the tiger population. Yeah. But the because the, po- the human population is blossoming yeah. so rapidly, they're intersecting. And uh, there were multiple attacks in a lake in that region which they thought might have been a crocodile or something like that mm-hmm. turns out it was a tiger swimming out into the lake and grabbing people off of boats and dragging them under oh that's terrifying Oof. yeah water tiger yeah they swim real good 
That's my uh, random fact for the day. I know a lot about that stuff for some weird reason. <laughs> those, are, those are real legends that exist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Real things. Actual IRL things. Mm-hmm. Terrifying. Which uh, animal do you find most terrifying? Or is there any that legitimately like creep you out? Well, aside from spiders? Would we I mean, if you have a phobia of spiders. Yeah. Majorly. I find salamanders really creepy for some reason. Oh, he's so cute. Yeah, I have a phobia of salamanders for no reason. I don't know if it's like a fear, but it's like a weird, it's like a terror and fascination. Um, Jellyfish. Fucking jellyfish. Also, because like, I think it's partly because I lived in Australia and like box jellies and like irukandji are fucking terrifying. Irukandji are like, they will fucking, like if you, if it touches you and you let it touch you for an ex- not even an extended period of time, like less than a minute. Like if it's like on your person for like 10 seconds, 20 seconds, like it, it'll fuck you up. Like it, like they are terrifying, terrifying little creatures. So they're they're really they they populate a lot in Australia and like Southeast Asia and stuff. But like one of the most enormous jellyfish in the world. Like they will, and they're so tiny, they're so fragile, but they will fucking destroy you. Like, by the way, I'm taking all this, these fears and putting it into the gothic horror story that Rona fell. I don't know how jellyfish are going to pop up in Kentucky, but <laughs> thank God, thank God. That's why we got away from. That's why we got away from Korea. That sounds terrifying. How about you, Paul? What's your scariest creature? Honestly, nothing that's real. I don't like snakes that can eat people whole. <laughs> really creepy. Anacondas. Yeah, anacondas. Don't want none. Is it because of the J-Lo movie back in the yeah. 90s? I, I just watched that movie the other day. When Holy I saw crap. get eaten alive, that creeped me the hell out. <laughs> that sounds horrifying. You just oh, you should watch that movie. It's hilarious. It's so bad. It? Speaking of uh, sci-fi movies, Gabe, are we going to do a uh, drunk movie review of Hell Comes to Frogtown? Yes. What? what? Can I watch that? No. Okay. Hell Comes to Frogtown is a post-apocalyptic Mad Max type of movie starring Rowdy Roddy Piper, mm-hmm. in which he is one of the last virile men left on Earth. And he is recruited by the government to impregnate women who have been captured by mutant frog people. It is bonkers. Why why does that already make me feel so uncomfortable? Because it's like sci-fi softcore porn. It's not like Like it's not horny. It's not as as sexy, but like just the main concept of it is like, yeah. Make is is this the idea for like a, a weird? A weird B, yeah. like pulpy horror film. Like that's yeah. pretty much the premise. But when if you ever watch the movie, which its entirety is on YouTube, amazing. So you can watch it for free. It is weird how similar the movie is to Mad Max Fury Road. Which one came out first? Well, Hell came. Hell mm-hmm. Comes to Frogtown came out in '88. Yeah. So Fury Road copied it. Except. <laughs> Hell Comes to Frogtown is not, like, as intelligent with its feminist views. Where would you put this on the scale of, like, 
Hard Ticket to Hawaii. Hard Ticket to Hawaii is oh, probably funnier. Oh. <laughs> um, What's Hard Ticket to Hawaii? Oh, man. You've never heard of that movie? Oh, oh my God. God. Okay. Hard Ticket to Hawaii is essentially a softcore porn, but it's about two helicopter, large busted helicopter rangers in Hawaii who are trying to save the day and uh, rescue slash prevent a radioactive snake from infiltrating Hawaii, among other things. The boobalicious agents are trying to stop a drug deal that's going on in Hawaii. And the snake just randomly pops up in different scenes to bite people on the face. Just a variable. Glenn just the snake is just a variable. Yeah. Uh, oh yes, and the snake is played by a man's oh, arm. You, yes, yeah. you told Clearly, me that. Like in a sock and like made up badly. That. It is so amazing, and it's radioactive. But yeah, I think both the actresses in it were like Playboy playmates or something. At some point, yeah, I think that that was one of their things. And then the director like had too much money slash like kept getting money because he was like it was hard ticket was supposed to be his like magnum opus of like I'm 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 never doing another episode of the Red Shoe Diaries again. I'm doing real films. Like yeah, I've been on those shoots. <laughs> I've been on those types of shoots. Yeah, we need to uh, figure out who's going to watch Hell Comes to Frogtown with me. Yeah. <laughs> I think it would be interesting to do it with a female co-host. Yeah, that might be. Because <laughs> we need to talk about the sexual politics of the it's movie. It's probably for sure. real problematic. Not to bring it down, but uh, I was playing the game last night and I got to a section where Norio is talking about when his brother got in the way to save him and oh. got killed instead, and I definitely started to cry. You were so good in that game, Earl. Yes. Stop it, you guys. Thank You're a good actor. You're a good actor. I feel like, I mean, that whole sequence, like, it's a, I, I feel really lucky that it's, I got to do something so, uh, I don't know, emotionally deep slash yeah. complicated and weird. Like, I don't know, this, this game has been really, really a blessing i the whole time i was i was recording that whole section like i'd be like i'd like get out of recording and like text my brother and be like i love you <laughs> and then he'd be like what the fuck <laughs> i can't talk about it yeah, <laughs> yeah it'd be sort of just this, oh no it's fine and then he'd like call me and be like what happened are you okay We're like no it's fine i'm I'm fine. I'm just, just acting. I'm just acting. And it's really full of feelings. I just want to tell you in case, you know, you doubted it or didn't. Um, I gotta go. I gotta, go. I gotta drive. Okay, bye. Do you have a PS4, Paul? Yeah, we gotta get Paul a cop. Paul, do you have a PS4? I do. Oh. I would love a copy. <laughs> <laughs> it looks amazing. In the little I've seen, and it's, uh, I mean, you're in it, so it's really surreal seeing it. Also, the game is fucking great. I feel like I need to write a treatise on just how well Sucker Punch understands the relationship between game developer and gamer. Like, (laughs) so many game developers who want to tell a story completely ruin the covenant of this is a game, but Sucker Punch still makes a gamer experience that is 
beautifully shot, beautifully acted, still has great game mechanics because I've played too many games that are just a movie with buttons, button pushing. Yes. You push a stick in a direction, you walk to the next next cutscene that's not that interesting to listen to. Yeah. I, Dan, I think you should. I think you should. I think you should write and record a thing. Like, that'd be great. Like, yeah. Yeah. you know, I'll send it to yeah. Billy. I'll send it to Jason. I'll send it to, I'll send it to Nate. I'll send it to Brian. I'll send it to all of them. I, I know that I do not like walking simulator games. And I know that a lot of people do. What Remains of Edith Finch, for example, is <laughs> probably the worst example of like, a game developer ruining the covenant of what a game is. What was that yeah. free one you were playing, Earl, that just came out? Erica. 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 You hate Erica, Dan. I haven't played Erica, no. Okay. I mean, it's free. It's on free. Plus. I played it last night. It's interesting. I, I don't, I've not bought into the mechanic of the using the phone. I think it's a great idea. I just don't know how it works for that particular game. It doesn't seem like it's doing it for a purpose. And maybe it's because I haven't played through all of Erica, but like, I, I would love it if there was a reason for it being a phone or like the fact that you could control something through your phone or like that the phone had any significance to, to the interface of what's happening in the game. You're saying like uh, something like the phone, uh, the character has to answer the phone. So you have to answer the phone? Yeah, or something. I don't know. Like, it just seems like, because the phone is just it might as well be a controller. Like right. there's no, it doesn't need to be a, a, a phone, but it just so happens to be that you're using your phone to control it. Recently, it seems like the gaming industry can't figure out what it wants or isn't, or is that this in- interesting like point of juxtaposition where, oh, I want this immersive cinematic story and I want, you know, these these big cutscenes and these grand set pieces and all this stuff. And then, but then at the same time, it's like, well, but what about the actual mechanics of what ma- makes the game an enjoyable game? You know, and I think that sometimes those are often yeah. at odds with each other. Well, it's also with the technology itself blending, right? They're using films, the film industry is using now similar if not the same technology that video games have been using for their special effects yeah vice versa so thing where because i think these industries are merging in kind of what they want to be the same stories they want to be telling they're getting similar writers it's it's become that yeah and so it's It's elevated it it's elevated to in the way of storytelling yes but then yeah you're losing that kind of like what is what is what's, what makes a game? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, but you know, I th- but I think this game does yeah. a good yeah. like, and that's what we've noticed is that like it's a really beautiful blend that yeah, very few AAA titles have done recently. So also, I could spend like just five minutes talking about the camera direction and the cutscenes and how yeah, how well they understand the importance of a close up. I'm being so creative just in the photo mode. Like, it's incredible. Like, the range you have on this is just like, what? Yeah, those are something that you need to have a real send. The the developers to all the rad photos. photos. Speaking of Ghost and Samurai films, Earl, were there any Samurai films or characters from Samurai films that kind of inspired your performance in Ghost of Tsushima? 
Ah, well, that's interesting you ask. Um, so when we received like our sort of character breakdowns, I guess, um, there were a couple of different character amalgams, I guess, that we were that we were presented with. Um, and uh, two of mine for Norio uh, include uh, Kikuchio from Seven Samurai. Mm. Uh, played by Toshiko uh, Mifune. Um, he's like the big mouth, brash. And it's really interesting because you, I think Norio is not this character in a lot of ways. But then at the same time, I think that there's a lot of, of, of things sort of in, in this character that end up manifesting in Norio in, in different ways. The two characters that, that I had... Uh, in one of my sheets describing Norio was Kikuchio meets Hurley from Lost. Oh, really? Yeah. Which is an interesting, like, uh, amalgam. And I, I've watched Lost. I, I had problems sticking with Lost. Um, and then, you know, the island started moving and then I just, it just lost me. If you were going to recommend a film as a, uh, companion piece to watch along with Ghost of Tsushima? Oh, okay. I think there's actually a couple of different tiers that we have to look at. We have uh, Yojimbo. There are a lot of parallels that we can make. Then um, Lone Wolf and Cub as as not a, a film exactly. I mean, the film as well, but like just sort of everything that the Lone Wolf and Cub story encapsulates like the the graphic novels and and just all of it i think those that whole world is a is another prime uh inspiration point i would say uh run sure. is is another another film and i would i would say run is is also really sort of significant for its use of color um and the impact that it, it's had on the game because I think there's a lot of, of shots that are specifically just like, oh, this is very, very clearly inspired by XYZ shots from... I think there's, a a, I think there's certainly also a Zatayoshi. Oh, I, I mean, Zatayoshi, of course. Like, yeah, yeah, like, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, really, any... Like, any one of the things that I love about this game, that it is this rolling amalgam gets to wear the clothes of all of these other films at times in moments in duels in scenes in in storylines and arcs like it sort of it tries to give you this like as broad of a stroke through this like i don't know pastiche of 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 samurai films and not in a not in a pastiche way but you know what i mean like just in in like trying to give you that that full breadth yeah and i i don't necessarily think like pastiche is a negative connotation to put yes. on something because yes. a pastiche isn't by its very nature a parody it's no. just a collection of the tropes that you've seen before in mm -hmm. one place mm -hmm. yeah i feel like the pastiching is done in such a well thought out and intentional way, yeah. It, it, I can't help but marvel at it and admire it because it, it. I feel like comes from a place of true care. I don't know. Lately, I've been getting 
because I do this to myself, like reading about like, oh, discourse about Ghost of Tsushima and like criticism and like cultural analysis about like this game. In, in following some of the discourse that's come out about the game, some of the overwhelming opinions have just been about how pastiches, I guess, are, are, are just that, or people think that they're just flat imitation of, of, of trying to make, you know, Kurosawa mode and how like offensive that is and how, how like, oh, it doesn't even begin to scratch the surface of how significant Kurosawa films are and rah, rah. And it, it just seems unimportant. I don't know. A lot of this discourse feels really, I don't know, kind of shitty. I think one of the biggest thing that, that, that frustrates me in reading a lot of these criticisms of the game about how like, oh, it, 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 supports Japanese nationalism and and the the way of like the samurai and bushido code is like you know was used by by the equivalent of the Japanese alt right to promote Japanese nationalistic theory and all this stuff and to to those people I'm just like I think you need to play the game more yes because like in a way bushido and the honor code is being used almost like maybe I'm reading way too much into it, but it's being used as a metaphor for toxic masculinity. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And exactly. I think that's one of the things that's really being missed in that discourse is that this game actually has quite a bit to say about sexual politics. Yes. I mean, in the mere fact that like you have a, a, a female samurai as part of the story and who has, who's, you know, again, <laughs> wonderful. Masako played by the inimical Lauren Tom. And then you have Yuna, like this, this sort of, I mean, as well as like the, the conversations that are actually happening about class and about sort of the established societal system that exists as Jin is a samurai. Like I even had this moment, I was reading this article that someone was reading and, and, and talking about like, well, it doesn't seem like, like it addresses any of these, these issues like in, in a way that, that reflects the sort of world we live in where we're, you know, grappling with class and, and, and race and all these things. And I'm just like, I'm pretty sure my character literally has a conversation about class with Lord Sakai about the way we look at the world being different because of, of, of where we've come from and, and him having and like, and I'm just like, I don't think, the, did you play the game? And the fact that Masako starts to adopt classically samurai attitude and becomes a kind of a worse person because of it. Yes. Yes. Like, like that is so important to the topic of conversation of the movie. Yeah. I mean, all those yeah. characters, you have the old, like the kind of Masako Sensei Shikawa, who like, as you progress through their stories, it shows how the old fashioned, that old way of, I have to finish this, this task, but I have to do it in the way that I've known. And you start seeing how they kind of become, yeah, like what you're saying, more monster, like more like yeah. the worse off, worse off mentally. And then Jin's the one guy who's just like, but I don't, this is right. Should we be doing this? Yeah. I don't know. And I, I, I put you at such a pedestal. You were always people in my mind that like, were mentors to me and now I'm seeing you in a new light and now that changes everyone's perception of everyone. Yeah. And then even Jin's own, you know, grappling with what being a samurai is like with what being, uh, you know, the, the nephew of Ajito is like with, with his place in the world, like, you know, like 
Yeah, so I just it's it's that thing where like I question like did you even play the game and did you keep playing the game because I feel like a lot of these issues and a lot of these gripes like get sort of addressed in a way that obviously isn't going to be like a we're not going to be doing like hardcore you know commentary and allegory and you know maybe it is but at the same time like I feel like there's a lot of people that are jumping to to just People forget that stories have arcs and trajectories and where you start at the beginning usually means that whatever happened in the beginning isn't the same at the end. For all the people that that get upset and constantly say like, oh, it's a it's a white developer. Like it's this white guy having a, a fantasy about samurai and like these this group of white dudes doing stuff about samurai. And like it just it really fucking pisses me off because it discounts all of the hard work that actual Japanese people, Japanese American people, Asian people, Asian American people who were on these teams, in dev teams, in production, like in pretty much every single level, on top of the fact that there was a whole, there was a whole team from Japan Studio that was guiding and, and helping steer the ship. Like it discounts all of the work that those people have done. And it fills me with fucking fury. Just the fact that you had white people who, yes, may have run a certain large departments in there, but they took the time and were willing to learn from the different cult and go in and be like, I don't, I want this to be something that's realistic. And I know I can't give that to them. Yeah. So I'm going to reach out and ask for help yeah. from the people Absolutely. in these communities. I don't know how better of an example there is. Really. Yeah, exactly. like, uh, like, I don't want to be like, oh, he, he thinks that way because he worked on the game. But like, to be completely honest, like the way that everyone at Sucker Punch went about sort of piecing this story together was constantly of asking, you know, of asking and and listening. And, you know, I remember I, I would go into se- to sessions, like studio sessions, like, like recording sessions and be having conversations with Patrick, with, with the writer, with, with the director, with the producer, and just being like, hi, listen, we don't talk like this. Like I, this line, like this, this section, like I, it doesn't make sense because like, and trying to explain like culturally, and 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 sort of from my lived experience like being like this is not how we would converse you know with all the respect being like i understand that these are your characters and that we you know all this stuff but this isn't how it happens and then them being like oh okay then how and then us you know and then everyone just sort of working together to to figure out the sort of place where that story and then sort of our lived experiences of being Asian American, of being Korean, of being Japanese, of, you know, like, like come to, to play and interact with, with, you know, people that, that want to tell the story. I cannot stress enough how different from any other experience I have had where I have been intentionally Asian, like that this was, you know, most of the time I feel like I, you know, when I'm getting cast in things, it's, it's despite the fact that I'm Asian, like, it's like, Oh, we're casting him. Like, but you know, like, he's just that guy. Like, like he's just the, the right guy for the, he's not, it's, you know, like whatever. And it's, it's this weird thing of like, yes, I should be happy about things being colorblind. But at the same time, like, it, you know, it, it doesn't acknowledge sort of who and what I am in, in that sort of genetic level. Um, and then sort of being in this project where that was what was needed and welcome and, you know, was respected. I have nothing to say, but, but love.
and gratitude about how this project worked. A lot of people are worried about cultural appropriation, which they should be. But yeah. I think it's quite obvious from the conversation that we have that the developers at Sucker Punch and their team were appropriating culture. They were educating themselves on the culture in order to sell the story in the most appropriate way possible. Yeah, I, I think so. And I think also, like, if you think about the audience, yes, understanding that there will be a, a large percentage of people who are super weeby and into the subject of samurai films of Kurosawa and all this stuff. But at the same time, understanding that the game is also trying to introduce those things to people who may never have had any experience with samurai film. If playing this game of this cool guy, like hacking and slashing and doing all this stuff means someone is going to go watch a Kurosawa film, that fills me with joy. Like, like if a thing that I worked on meant, means that someone will further be curious and want to learn more and want to see the things that that inspired this thing, like, fuck yeah, <laughs> I think that means you're doing your fucking job well. Well, I think we've been recording for well over an hour. Um, before we go, does anyone want to plug their socials, Twitch streams, anything like that? Paul, what are you up to? I'm living my life at home. <laughs> You're staying safe from the corona. Do you want to plug your social? Uh, yeah, um, at Paul Allen Dixon. I'm doing a lot of voice acting, animation, concentrating on video game too, as yeah. well. So if anybody needs something out there, let me know. Do you have anything coming out in the near future? Do you have something out that people can listen to now? I actually was looking for my like first paid animation gig hasn't been released yet but i will let people know as soon as it is it's actually it's a it's a commercial like not a commercial but a animation of uh teaching people about flushable wipes in canada <laughs> so, canadian flushable wipes eh? i played a character called chris p bacon are you are you a pig uh no i am a piece of bacon Oh, you're an actual piece of bacon. Okay. <laughs> uh, so yeah, uh, I've been doing. I, I've been training with uh, Sarah Jane Sherman. She's like a casting director and uh, big animation guru. Uh, she does the voice of a bunch of people. Perfect. Didn't you do a radio spot for Caesar's Palace or? Yeah, I, I work. I, I did. Uh, it, it was like last year, last June. It was. Uh, it, it was like a competition competition for MGM uh, for people to win money. It was pretty cool. Yeah, it was a commercial for that. Um, I am working on a video game demo reel. I'm hoping that'll be out uh, within a month, I, especially since there's nothing else to do at home. So I'm <laughs> going to do that. Uh, Krista, would you like to plug your socials or anything that you're doing right now? Uh, yeah. Um, Wednesdays, I do makeup live streams on my makeup Instagram, which is Krista Llewellyn MUA. Um, and then I also have an Etsy page. Uh, the Instagram handle is shop is at shop rogue Etsy. And then the Etsy is just shop rogue and I'm making masks, which do your part and wear a mask when you're outside always. Um, mm -hmm. and, uh, like makeup brush rolls and mats. And I also have some like handsome and hand painted patches and things like that. Uh, Earl, what are your socials? What are you doing? Oh, um, I am doing some Twitch streaming of the game. 
Uh, if you are all on Twitch, come watch and hang out. Uh, my handle is Earl of Sandwich uh, with a T. So it's M-I-T-C-H. So it's E-A-R-L-O-F-S-A-M-M-I-T-C-H. For some reason, someone took my, what I normally use without the T, just Earl of Sandwich, uh, was taken, um, whoever you are. Uh, but... Um, yeah, so catch me on Twitch. I'll be streaming. Uh, Dice, who plays Jin Sakai, uh, will be streaming from 7 to 11 pretty much every night, I think, during the week. That's his sort of plan. Uh, and I'll be doing, like, a couple hours before then because I don't want to take away viewers from my boy. Um, so, yeah, I'll probably be around uh, 5 to five to 7, maybe 4.30 to 7, maybe 4.20 to 7. But, yeah, so I'll be on there. And then I'm... Uh, accessible on Twitter uh, at Earl of Sandwich without the T, just regular M M I C H. All the socials, come find me. Uh, let's hang out. Let's have a chat. Uh, if anyone has uh, Norio and Jin fan fiction and or fan art, I'm all. My DMs are always open. I want to see that fan art. <laughs> GTM, what's going on? I actually just finished a project I've been working on for like at least a year. A year um, for a pilot um, for a TV show that may possibly make it somewhere. The director was potentially looking at Quibi and maybe some other options. I'm not sure what his plan is now, but um, I finally got the green light. To, for it to be done and it's now finally going into sound editing with someone else and um, music Hans. with someone else um, we talked about it a little bit last week just uh, keep plugging it it's a film a short film that me and Earl Kim made back in 20 end of 2016 early 2017 we did the festival circuit but it's finally on Amazon Prime you can find it there it's called Han H-A-N um and yeah it's really beautiful and it's you know um it has talented folks working on it like all of us yeah this um we've already done uh like almost 500 minutes of viewing of streaming do we that's right yeah. so that's pretty exciting that's awesome but, yeah well, gtm what are your socials if people want to hit you up right. on there um you can find me on instagram at uh gtoya.melendez i have a twitter at japarican1 what about you, Dan? Oh, well, thank you for asking. <laughs> um, I am at Hemingway Light on Instagram and Twitter. Mostly these days on Instagram, I'm just posting beautiful pictures that I take and goes to Tsushima. Yeah, that's what I'm doing, too. Good. Posting a Good. bunch of photos. Yeah, you I can follow me on there. I'm working on something that uh, might come down the pipeline in the future, but I don't want to say what it is yet. I will let you know as it gets closer. But uh, thank you all for listening to this episode of Dice Dry, another casual conversation. And we will talk with you later. Thank you for listening to Dice Dry. I'm your host, Daniel Schaub. And this episode's cast has included Paul Dixon, Earl Kim, and Crystal Llewellyn. This production has been edited by Gabriel Toya Melendez with special music provided by Glenn Davis. Please follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Dice Try Podcast. And while you're there, don't forget to subscribe and review.